And we're off. And that is season six, episode four, four, four. That's right. It's coming at you. Four. Watch out. Four. Episode four of season six of JV to Pros. I'm your host, Jack Vecchio. And for the next hour or so, I'm going to bring you all sorts of entertaining stuff. The last couple of weeks, I talked about celebrity deaths and this 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 week on this show i'm going to talk about a couple of celebrity birthdays and these are a couple of the biggest stars ever in show business and coincidentally i've worked with both of them so we are going to be um, we are going to be talking about their their careers a little bit and we are going to talk about how i ended up in the same place at the same time working with them on sets we're going to talk about a really, really big deal, really big deal, <laughs> like Ed Sullivan. It's going to be a really big show, a really big deal that Netflix just closed with the WWE Raw, and it's the biggest deal Netflix has ever sealed, and we're going to talk about numbers in the billions with a B, billions. We're going to talk about the Oscar nominations, and yeah, there were some snubs, but of course, when you get a movie that uh, yields $250 million domestically, yeah, it's probably going to get some nods at the Oscars. It's hard to avoid that. We're also going to talk about the Razzies. The Razzies are, are actually announced right on the heels of the Oscar nominations, and the Razzies... The Razzies went after my favorite movie star of all time in a big way. And his his film actually led the Razzies this year. I don't expect we'll see him at the Razzies if he wins. But there have been celebrities that have shown up and said, you know what, if that's the way you see it, I will accept the award. Uh, we're going to talk about the great Gerardo, by the way, the great Gerardo is going to be on the show today and he's going to talk about how he has nailed 100% of all the playoffs. He's gone, he's gone eight and O in the playoffs. I don't know how this guy does this, man. It's amazing, but we're going to have him on and we're going to talk about what he's uh, expecting to happen, um, this weekend as the final four teams square off to find out who goes to the Super Bowl. And I'm going to talk about uh, something in incredibly suspicious that was released. And I don't know if it was released intentionally or not, but I am going to talk to the great Gerardo about that um, when he comes on. Um, I'm going to talk about one celebrity death that literally right before I started the show, uh, like five minutes before I started the show, I found out that a very beloved um, radio and television host uh, passed away. And it's a show that I watch all the time. And um, I, I can't I can't ignore giving this guy his props. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a TV show that has been put back on the air. And frankly, I didn't even understand why it was ever taken off the air. I think that this television show is the most important TV show ever on American television. And I don't know how the execs at that network decided that it was a good idea to, first of all, 
kind of screw with the with the format and the model that has worked and start kind of jerking it around until the host finally had had enough and went to another network to do a similar show. And finally, this network came to their senses and decided to go with what works. So, with no further ado, this is Season 6, Episode 4, 4, 4 of JV to the Pros. Let's get into it. Okay, here we go. Now, we're going to talk about some celebrity birthdays. And the two celebrity birthdays that just are happening this week, um, frankly, one is on one side of me doing the show and the other birthday is coming up in a few days. So I thought, let's just take care of both of them. And I've worked with both of these celebrities. And one of them I consider to be maybe in the conversation for the greatest American actor in the last 60 years. And he starred in The French Connection and loads and loads of other um, other movies. And he, I remember as a kid watching The French Connection starring Gene Hackman and being completely amazed at, at, at his work and how very good he was at playing Popeye Doyle. And then I saw him in several films after that. And then by complete fluke, in the early 90s, I'm put into a commercial with Gene Hackman. And I was really, really impressed as we shot this thing for five days. And for five days, he never missed a cue, never missed a line, never made a mistake for five days. And I thought, I am, I am in the presence of greatness i mean real greatness with this guy so i just thought you know what i'm gonna watch i'm gonna study and i'm gonna learn what this guy is doing because he's he's one of the all-time best well right after we work together he ends up winning an academy award starring with clint eastwood in unforgiven and i thought okay great you know what i just got an acting lesson from one of the greatest actors that ever lived. And now he's won an Academy Award. And I thought, what an honor. How lucky am I? How lucky am I? But when you uh, go on our Facebook page this week when the show is posted, you'll see pictures of me and Gene Hackman. And uh, we were on the set of a Kieran Beer commercial we did. Anyway, um, so that's that's the first thing. The, the second birthday I want to talk about is yet another celebrity that I admired since 1976. And he played Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies. And that's Carl Weathers. And Carl Weathers, yep, he turned, I think, um, 77 or 76 this week. And Carl was is actually also a director. Most people don't know that he's done a lot of directing. And Carl Weathers and I were working together in November of 1996. And it didn't occur to me until one day when we were working, 
I told Carl when I got on the set, I said, I am going to come to the to work each day. And each day I come to work, I'm going to tell you something about the making of the Rocky movies that you don't know. And he kind of, oh, yeah, okay, Jack. <laughs> you, you give it your best shot. And every day for two months, I came to the set and I told him something about the making of the Rocky movies that he did not know to the point where he had to contact Stallone in Miami to verify whether or not what I was telling him was correct. And it became this really fun thing was, you know, to, and I didn't want to take multiple shots, but I would tell him something about, because I know so much about the making of the Rocky movies that he was just at a point where he stopped double checking my facts with Stallone and Stallone left a message and want to know, how does that guy know that? How does he know all that? I did an, I did an interview with the uh, Christopher Goff, the Ultimate Stallone's um, website um, host, and I did the um, 41st anniversary interview for the release of Rocky, and I told him I happened to be working in 1996 in November, and on the studio lot, we saw the media gathering on the street, and we didn't understand what was going on. Well, Carl knew what was going on, because I happened to be working with Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, on the 20th anniversary of the release of Rocky. And the media showed up in force to have a chat with Carl and talk about Rocky. So Carl knew that I was, you know, a Rocky fan, a Rocky nut, a Rocky just follower. And he said, you know, they're going to they're gonna start coming in here and some of these people are going to, you know, mistaken some facts and you don't need to contradict them. You don't need to correct them. Just let them think whatever they want to think and uh, we'll know the truth. And I watched as Carl Weathers fielded questions by countless reporters who wanted to talk about the making of the Rocky movies. So Gene Hackman, happy birthday. Happy 90, 94th birthday, I think, is Gene Hackman. Um so he, yeah, he's 94 and Carl Weathers is 76 or 77. And by the way, Carl Weathers looks like he can still get in the ring. I mean, he's in fantastic condition. He's doing one of those Chicago Fire or Chicago CSI or Chicago TV shows. And he's in incredibly ripped condition at mid-70s. So, you know, God bless him. Um, we are going to jump forward. I know I said I was going to talk about the Netflix thing and everything, but I'm going to have to get the great Gerardo on because his schedule just got real, real busy. And I'm going to get the great Gerardo on and we're going to talk about his incredible streak of picking every single playoff game correctly. So let me get him on the phone. All right. The great Gerardo. Is about to come on. Gerardo, tell me you're there. Yeah. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you, sir. Hang on. I got a little surprise for you. I'm going to see if I can put words to this. Thank you. 
He can pick all the NFL games, and he gets them right every time. He's the great Gerardo, and he knows everything that we don't. <laughs> How you doing, stud? <laughs> That's great. You give me some time next time you come on the show. I'm going to do a whole parody with Stars and Stripes Forever. Now, you, now I'm going to let everybody know, even though I've been hearing it at the gym, I've been hearing it on direct message, text messages, phone calls. <clears throat> I, I even um, spoke with, you know, Rob Van Dam, the WWE heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. Right? Quick text. How does he do that? <laughs> the whole message was how does he do that <clears throat> so I just sat there and I was like I know a friend of mine made some money betting on what you say from last week but you know I mean Gerardo I don't know I don't know what's going on with you but you're amazing in how you do this man I should take my own advice because I never bet on what I say. I just don't bet. <laughs> well, you know the cardinal rule, right? Never bet what you can't afford to lose. I just don't bet in general, yeah. You're, you're, you're smarter than the rest of us because we all get caught up in it. And then when we lose, we go chasing. So um, so were you were you surprised at how close the Bills-Chiefs game ended up to be? No, I knew it was probably going to be a shootout like matching touchdown for touchdown so um yeah now i wasn't very surprised. have you have you ever been to buffalo i've not okay in all seriousness if you go to buffalo the two words you cannot connect in a sentence next to each other is wide right and the reason for that is because way before you were born scott norwood took the field with nine seconds left in the Super Bowl with the Giants up 20 to 19. And he had to just hit a 47 foot, 47 foot, 47 yard field goal to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it was about six inches wide right. Oh, that's tough. Now, the, the, the weird thing is that Super Bowl I did a Super Bowl commercial for that Super Bowl with Leslie Nielsen. And that was the same year that we went to Desert Storm. And it was, of course, with Leslie Nielsen, it was a it was a comical commercial. For some reason, the network that year decided that they were going to cancel all the funny commercials because they didn't want the troops overseas to think we're over here having a good time while they're over there in Desert Storm. And what they didn't realize, and talk about missing the mark, the troops were really upset because they were watching the Super Bowl, hoping to crack a laugh. And there was nothing funny about any of the commercials. And, and they really wanted to laugh a little bit. And the network decided to pull all the comical commercials, mine being one of them. But it, it, you know the expression, the world stood still? Yeah. Okay. Scott Norwood for Buffalo with a 2019 deficit lines up 47 yards out, but he lines up on the right hash mark. Buffalo left the ball on the right hash mark. And the New York Giants with Bill Parcells 
interlace they interlace their elbows, their arms at the elbow, like a big chain, and basically held on to each other. Gerardo, you know, I mean, if you ever watch watch it online, that kick felt like it took 15 minutes. The snap, the kick, the end over end, and Joe Buck doing the announcement. And he says, and there's the snap. It's down. End over end. Plenty of leg. It's got the distance. And the world stopped. You couldn't hear any sound. The stadium went quiet. And the next thing you hear is Joe Buck saying, wide right, wide right. He missed it. (laughs) Yeah. And that would be the closest Buffalo would get to any of the four consecutive Super Bowls they went to. Because next year, Washington beat the hell out of them. And then Dallas was all geared up. And in one of the next two Super Bowls, Dallas and Buffalo faced off the next two in a row. And Dallas, I think, dropped 65 on them in one Super Bowl. But, I mean, the closest they would come is that Scott Norwood, and he went wide right. So if you go to Buffalo, you never, ever, I mean, they will they will beat you up in the street and nobody, nobody is going to get charged with anything. You don't say wide right in Buffalo. I'll remember that when I go. Yeah, well, I probably I probably should go with you. We'll go see Niagara Falls, and I'll make sure when you start saying wide, I'll be like, not right. Don't say right. <laughs> but, but then look what happened on Sunday as Bass lined up from, I think, 41 yards, right? Yeah. And did that thing look like the bell curve? Yeah, that was brutal. I feel it looked it looked good at first, and it just kept going. Yeah, and it just bent to the right, and of course, I think it was Troy Aikman who, before the snap, says, "I really hope I don't have to report wide right." Like he was making a joke. This was supposed to be going into overtime, and Buck yeah. and Joe Buck said, "You say it, I can't." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that guy that that one fan in the stands who was crying through his ski hat. And the next thing I know is I get a text from you. <laughs> I I picked all four. <laughs> and then my uh, yeah. my phone, awesome. remember remember I texted you later on that night? My phone blew up. How does he know? How does he know? Now now this week Ravens, Chiefs, the one and three seed, and the one and three seed in the NFC with the Niners hosting Detroit. Now, I mean, Detroit, remember I told you, after that first win, the party went on for two and a half days, right? Yeah. Well, it went on for two days, a little less this time. (laughs) They must be getting tired. But it went on for two days in Detroit. But now, I'm thinking... If Debo Samuel is out with the shoulder injury, who do you got in the NFC game? If Debo's out, I have the Lions. Me too. That's exactly what I'm thinking. My recipe for last week was, you know, pick the better teams. And then, you know, if it's a little iffy, just pick the better quarterback. 
that's what I thought for the Chiefs and Bills. But right now, this Lions team has a lot of good mojo going. I mean, they're a strong team. And um, I think Jared Goff has been there, done that. I mean, and I think, you know, I think he can play a clean game. And if the Giants, I mean, if the Niners become too one-dimensional, like the Lions defense should hold up pretty well. And their offense will score a lot of points on the Niners defense. I'm not too confident in the Niners defense. Okay, I'm saying if Debo Samuel is out, first of all, I'm taking the Lions anyway, even if he's in. I watched um, a video on ESPN before, um, before the games this weekend, and I didn't know that Campbell, the head coach of the Lions, you know how they have that, that briefing room where the guys are all in those tiered seating all the way up? You know, and they go up about maybe 50 feet. And, um, you know, in the front, they've got a, you know, um, a board and a video screen. And that's where the coach greets them, right? But what Campbell did was on the back wall, he had something waiting for them. And he told them all to stand up and turn around. And there were three things on the back wall. 1991, last playoff game. 1993. Last playoff win. 1957, last championship. And Campbell, and this was before they played week one. He said, we're going to check all those boxes. That's awesome. I thought so, yeah. I thought, wow. Because now they've gotten another, they've gotten a home win. They've won their division. Right? And, And now... They just got to get to the Super Bowl and win. I don't know if the if the Ravens end up on the other side. I don't know that Detroit Detroit can beat the Ravens. I don't know that anybody can beat the Ravens. But um, but you're saying I, Sam Fran with Samuel Debo uh, with Debo, right? I think the winner of the Super Bowl comes out of the AFC this year. Ill, even if even see, you think KC can beat either or on the other side? Oh, absolutely. 110%. I hate arguing with you because I'm never right. It's 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 just Patrick Mahomes, man. Like he makes everything easier for his offense, for his defense. Like it he he he's you know, I think I I almost want to pick the Chiefs this week too just because I trust Mahomes to make way bigger throws than Lamar. And if the Ravens don't get off to like a hot start and they're playing from behind, or if they're playing like even an even score game, I have the Chiefs. But if the Ravens get up by a touchdown or by ten, then it's like okay, they could play their game. But if it's a close game, I have the Chiefs. Well, Lamar and the Ravens, in that order, are still bitter about that playoff loss to the Titans a couple of years ago, and I think he's got something to prove, and. I haven't seen anybody firing on all eight cylinders like the Ravens. I mean, everybody else seems to have been up and down, but the Ravens seem to be, I don't know, man. They, they. Oh, I agree. Their, their, their defense is amazing. Their offense, like Lamar looks like he's playing Madden out there. Like he's just, he's insane. But, you know, I said it last week, like I don't like betting against Patrick Mahomes. And I think that the Chiefs defense is very underrated in what they do. And I think that if 
the Chiefs specifically, you know, if they're able to, you know, get off to a hot start and not play from behind, that just makes everything harder for the Ravens and what they want to do. Because once they're up, they're, they ha- they could run the ball a million different ways, different formations, a lot of RPOs, a lot of quarterback design runs. But if you're playing from behind, you have to throw the ball a lot more. So I, I almost... If I shot, if you handcuffed me into picking that, I would still take the Chiefs. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm taking the Ravens, and I haven't been right once when I've gone against you, but I'm taking the Ravens because I'm looking at how healthy they are. They had that first week to relax. They seem to have gotten in their groove last week and just mowed them down. I mean, it was, I mean, Houston didn't score in the second half. I mean, if you got a tie game going into halftime and you don't score in the second half, you're probably going to lose the game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my thinking on it. But I'm going to take – my thing is I'm thinking Detroit-Baltimore is the Super Bowl. That, that's the Super Bowl America wants to see. But what does the great Gerardo want to see? Oof. I think – Give me the Lions and the Chiefs. Lions and the Chiefs. And you're going to take yeah. the Chiefs, you said. Yeah, I think I think that's how the stars align. Okay, let me let me go on record saying if it's the Lions and the Chiefs, I take the Lions. If that's the Super Bowl, I take the Lions. If it's the Ravens and the Lions, I take the Ravens. If it's the Ravens and the Niners, I take the Ravens. I think if the Ravens are in there, they're in it to win it. All right. Now I know you got to go, but I got my honorary nephew here. We call him boss Ross and boss Ross has a question for the great Gerardo because he just, he, he was, he walked up to me this morning and said, he's just shaking his head. And I said, I don't know. I don't know how he does it, but Gerardo, this is boss Ross. Hey, how you doing Gerardo? Ross is just fine. You don't have to call me boss. How you doing, bro? Doing well, how are you? I'm doing good. So the question I have for the great Gerardo is, where's Jim Harbaugh going to be? Where, where's he, Who's he going to be coaching next year? Back at Michigan. You don't think he goes to the NFL? Back in Michigan. Okay. Wow. Uh, he knows everything, though. No, I, you know what? No, I think... I think I still think the Chargers are the best bet. I think it's if there's a team, it's the Chargers. But um, I mean, I wouldn't count out the Falcons, but I, I still think he he'll probably stay at Michigan. Now let me ask them: If Belichick wants to go to the Falcons, he would be the priority over Harbaugh to go to the Falcons, correct? I would agree. Okay. Yeah, because because I think he's he's the bigger guy there. He's he's the big dog of the two. But, but um, could, that offense could do very well with like a Patriots esque. Like you have Bijan to run the ball, and honestly, like that offense, you're you're basically a quarterback away from just being very much so like more competitive, just because you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts who haven't been used to their full capabilities. Well, the other thing I'm hearing from a friend of mine who lives in Lawrenceville is that Belichick is interested in the Falcons' job. But he's also interested in the Falcons' job if he can make a trade for Justin Fields since Chicago's grabbing Caleb Williams from USC. Yeah, I agree. I think 
that's a, I mean, he's a Georgia boy. I mean, that's like a homecoming for him. So you think that's that that's real possible and even probable? I, I, I would, but I wouldn't give up the eighth pick for him. I don't think he he warrants that high of a draft pick. I don't think the Falcons are dumb enough to get fleeced like that. I think Fields is a great player, but I wouldn't trade my eighth overall pick for him. No, I think the word is what I'm getting is that they're just they're just going to turn around and make whatever deal they got to make to get Justin Fields out of Chicago since Fields' job is in jeopardy anyway. Fields is probably going to be looking for a new home. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's that's probably how it works out. I think the Bears don't want to miss on Caleb, so they'll do that and then um, see what they can get for Justin. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think anybody anybody wants to miss on Caleb. Like If you get a shot at Caleb, he's the pick. He's it. Yeah, I agree. He's yeah. great. Okay. Boss Ross, you got another question? Because I got one more question, but he's got to go. But I'm going to ask you something, and I want to know if you've heard this. I got a notification that has been on online from the New England Patriots fan nation site since before last weekend's game. And it was an announcement now, you know that um, Patriots, Denver, and like three other teams are in the competition. They're on the competition committee in the NFL. And, you know, that was part of the problem with Deflategate about the offense having their own footballs because the Patriots insisted on that. And everybody went along with it, not realizing what the Patriots were up to. But Patriots Nation site, before last week's game, announced that Usher... And some other celebrities would be entertaining at, at halftime at the Super Bowl. And this is what they put on there. And I can I can send it to you. At the Super Bowl between San Francisco and Baltimore. They actually put that on there. That Usher will be performing in the half, halftime game between San Francisco and Baltimore. And people, especially conspiracy theorists, are saying, wait a second. Wait a second. I mean... Yeah, is this I mean, thing is this thing whole, rigged? Have, is this thing have rigged? You a, have you heard of the logo theory of like the Super Bowl logo matches the colors of the teams playing in it? No, dude, t- tell me that real quick. I know you got to go. I don't want to. I usually i, I, I usually the, keep you, but from, from my understanding, it's like the colors of the logo represent the two teams playing it. So I think it's been true the past few years, and this year the logo is red and purple. So it'd be the Niners and the Ravens. So the so the the Super Bowl logo has reflected in advance the colors of the teams that would end up playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Wow. And that's been going on how long? I think for a few years now, maybe even longer. But I mean, last year when it was red and green for the Chiefs and the Eagles, and then the year before that had the same colors, and then this year it's red and purple. So Niners. Niners Ravens. Whoa! Oh boy. That, okay. All right. Look I know you. Up, I, up after. I know. Look I know you got to go. I know you got to go. But I appreciate you, and uh, we'll get a chance to chat in a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. Okay. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you again. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Well, the great Gerardo has done it again, and he added a layer to this whole conspiracy theory with the NFL. Um, now you got to wonder, because last year the colors were red and green, and it turned out to be the Chiefs and the Eagles, and before that and before that. So now i got to sit there and say, okay, what's going on here? Um, wow. Okay, let me... Uh, we're going to talk about this after the Super Bowl, especially if it turns out to be a Niners... Ravens Super Bowl. Um, we'll we'll definitely address that. Um, I want to move on real quick to another sports story, in which Netflix closed the biggest deal they have ever signed with anyone, and that is a five-year, ten billion dollar with a B billion dollar deal with the WWE Raw. And that will be five years of WWE Raw wrestling, and that's WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. And obviously Netflix feels like that $10 billion investment will be well worth it for fans of the WWE. Um, I would like to get um, WWE Heavyweight Champion Rob Van Dam back on the show. I'm going to I'm going to text him and see if he wants to come on in that one-week break between the this weekend's um, football games and the Super Bowl, and I'll see if he'll come on and talk about how a deal like that was cut for $10 billion. Oh, boy, this was, uh, this was enlightening, I'll tell you that. Um, okay, so let me um, go on real quick to the Oscar nominations. And usually in years past, the Oscars would only allow five nominees for each category. But as I'm a, I, I actually am one of the nominees for the Academy Awards. I'm on the nominations committee. And yes, I get that big box with like 1,300 movies. And of course, I don't watch them all, but uh, fortunately, I live in a neighborhood where I could ask my neighbors to watch them and tell me what they think, give me some feedback, because who's got time to watch 1,300 movies in, in a couple of weeks? So, and not me. But um, one of the pictures that has my attention that was nominated for Best Picture was American Fiction. I don't know anything about it, but it is sprinkled throughout the Oscar nominations. Barbie pulled in about 250 260 million dollars and by the way we had James Leon who was in the Barbie movie on the show and he is in my movie Resellers which is going to be screening in March and I'm going to have James back on the show um I'm probably not going to wait until he comes out here for the premiere but I'm going to have James back on the show after the Oscars to talk about, you know what, I should have him on before the Oscars just to get his feedback. But he has actually um, a role in Barbie. He plays the lifeguard in which Ken is applying for a job as a lifeguard while wearing a cowboy outfit. <laughs> um, Maestro with um, um, Bradley Cooper. I saw it, um, you know, good quality, but not my movie, not my... Not my kind of movie at all. Oppenheimer, which I'm not going to see because as I understand it, it is awfully lots of O's long 
And I don't know that I want to sit through another movie that's the length of The Irishman. No offense to my buddy Tony Welch, who was in The Irishman, but that was a long movie. I mean, you start watching it on Monday, you're done by Friday. <sighs> and I know why it was so long. It was because Robert De Niro and um, uh, and and the director's um, uh, production companies were uh, Marty Scorsese's production company. Um, they combined their efforts to make the movie. And when the movie went over budget, they just kept telling Netflix, well, we'll just make it longer. It'll be a longer product. It'll be a better product. And we'll, we'll add more layers to it. And we'll add more, we'll add more. Well, the budget went from 75 million to 160 million. And um, Scorsese and De Niro's production company basically made an extra $100 million producing that movie and then made the profit on the other end by not only showing it on the Netflix platform, but they also showed it, I think it was HBO or something. So they made money, you know, on both ends. Um, Past Lives, Poor Things is supposed to be very good. And The Zone of Interest, Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro is also one of the nominees along with The Holdovers. Actress in a Leading Role, Annette Bening is nominated. Lily Gladstone, Sandra Huller, Carrie Mulligan and Emma Stone for Poor Things are nominated. Actor in a leading role, Bradley Cooper for Maestro. I do not think I see Bradley Cooper getting the hardware this time around. I just don't think Maestro captured the attention of enough people to make it that interesting and to, to make people feel like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, we got it. We got to give him. He, he, it's not like when Leonardo DiCaprio won People were sitting there going, yeah, in one scene, he slept in a horse. I mean, that stays in your mind. Very little bit about Maestro, and it might just be me, but very little stayed in my in my mind about that movie. That movie just seemed to kind of drag along. Paul Giamatti, who's a fantastic, fantastic actor. He was in Sideways. He was in Howard Stern's Private Parts. And he is in the holdovers. I think this might be his year. I think this might be the time where Paul Giamatti gets his Oscar. He walks away with the hardware. Um, Cillian Murphy for Oppenheimer. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, I can see that Robert Downey Jr. was kind of snubbed because you've got Oppenheimer being nominated. But you know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction was also nominated. Actor in a sporting sporting actor role, Sterling Brown for American Fiction. I got to see this movie. I got to see what's going on with this. Robert De Niro in a supporting role for Killers of the Flower Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to be in a starring role, and they reduced it to a supporting actor role. And I think. This is exactly why they did it, because now he got his nomination for Oppenheimer, but he's going to be going up against De Niro and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things, and Ryan Gosling is nominated for Barbie. I think Ryan Gosling has got to be the dark horse in this whole mix, because I don't see Ryan Gosling. I do think, I, I you know, don't don't get me wrong here, I do think that Miss Gorgeous playing Barbie did a fantastic job. I mean, not just a good job, but a fantastic job. But I I don't know. I don't know 
that um, that Ryan Gosling has a chance in this in this crowded field of extreme talent. Robert Downey Jr. may walk away with it for Oppenheimer because he's been nominated for Chaplin and didn't get it. And a lot of people in my industry thought, yeah, he should have gotten it for Chaplin and he didn't. So the industry may feel like they owe him one and this might be the time to pay it up. Emily Blunt in an actress in a supporting role, supporting actress role for Oppenheimer. Daniel Brooks, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple. America Ferrara for Barbie. That is my choice. I didn't really like Barbie at the beginning, but Barbie, the movie Barbie had an incredibly intense, deep, important social message. And that message was loud and clear by the time you get done watching the movie. I remember I was talking to, I think, I would think I was talking to my honorary nephew, Boss Ross, about it. And I said, oh, you know, I may be turning this off. I, I don't get it. And I got about 20 minutes into it. And all of a sudden, the pieces started to fall into place. And America Ferrara was incredible in her role in Barbie. It was almost like she was in a different league from the rest of the movie. And she may win for Barbie. And the other thing is Barbie, you know, grossed like $260 million at the box office. So, yeah. Jodie Foster, who is on True Detective on HBO and has reinvented her career, is nominated for NIAD and Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Wow. This is going to be a great Oscars. This will be a great, great Oscars show. Now, for Best Director... Justin Triet for Anatomy of a Fall. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Jorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. And Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest. I'm wondering if Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer gets that nod for Best Director for, Opp for Oppenheimer. Because as I understand it, Oppenheimer is high quality, but everyone has said it is just such a long, long movie. Costume design, I'm thinking Barbie walks away with it. I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon, it's a period piece. Napoleon, Oppenheimer, poor things. I'm thinking costume design, Gotta, I think you got to go with Barbie. And by the way, Will Ferrell is in Barbie, and he's very good in a very serious role. Um, we got sound adapted screenplay. Barbie may win this one as well. American fiction is up. Oppenheimer, poor things, zone of interest. Original screenplay. Now Barbie's not in for the original screenplay because Barbie's been around since about 1955. But Anatomy, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, and Past Lives are no, uh, nominated. Um, and that's really the big, big, big stuff that's going on with the Oscars. And I, I'm thinking Barbie walks away with a couple of things. I think, I'm thinking that um, this, could, this could get Barbie two, maybe even three Oscars come May 10th, uh, May 10th, March 10th, excuse me. So those are the big nominations for the Oscars. Now, 
my favorite actor of all time, my favorite actor of all time is Sylvester Stallone. And I have liked Sylvester Stallone since four years before Rocky came out when I saw him in a movie with Jack Lemmon called The Prisoner of Second Avenue. Well, the Razzies are for the worst of this and the worst of that. It's kind of an ill-spirited, mean-spirited award show, if you will. And I know there have been celebrities that have shown up to collect their Razzies because they have the attitude that they respect any and all award shows. But Stallone's Expendable Expendables 4 was nominated for seven Razzies, including Worst Picture. And um, I'm looking to see if Stallone was nominated for Worst Actor, and he was not. But um, Jason Statham, who's in The Expendables, was was nominated for Meg 2, The Trench. Vin Diesel for Fast X. And Russell Crowe for The Pope's Exorcist was nominated. John Voight, the great John Voight, was nominated for Mercy. Wow. Wow. Okay. Worst Actress in the Razzies. Megan Fox for Johnny and Clyde. Selma Hayek for Magic Mike's Last Dance, Jennifer Lopez for The Mother, Helen Mirren, the great Helen Mirren for Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Anna de Armas for Ghosted. <sighs> Kim Cattrall walked away from the Sex and the City franchise to do a film called About My Father. Well, About My Father got Kim Cattrall a Worst Supporting Actress Razzie nomination for About My Father. Megan Fox for Expendables 4. Lucy Liu for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Mary Stuart Masterson for Five Nights at Freddy's. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas for Worst Supporting Actor in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. Mel Gibson was nominated. Bill Murray for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Franco Nero and then Sylvester Stallone for Worst Supporting Actor. And I think they're going to end up giving it to Stallone just because Stallone does everything on a movie except the craft services handing out snacks. So I just, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, um, by the way, Expendables 4 is nominated for Worst Prequel, Remake, or Ripoff or sequel, Expendables 4. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, The Exorcist, Believer, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, all nominated for worst prequel, remake, sequel. Basically, <laughs> they, just, they just want to yell at everybody. Um, Expendables 4 was also nominated for Razzie for worst screenplay. Now, we had to kind of juggle the show a little because we had to get the great Gerardo on and that was well worth it. But um, I want to also talk about um, CBS Sunday Morning host Charles Osgood. I found out passed away at his home in New Jersey at the age of 91 and he just retired a few years ago from doing CBS Sunday Morning. And by the way, if you haven't seen that show 
that is that is a, a great great Sunday morning show with lots of entertainment, lots of information, and it's just a a lot of fun to watch that show. And if you record it, I mean, you can watch the whole thing in an hour and ten minutes. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, and I said this earlier, is the greatest, in my opinion, most important television show ever on American TV is America's Most Wanted. And about eight years ago or so, somebody, some idiot at Fox decided that they're in charge of things and they're going to put their stamp on it and they're going to change the format and they're going to jerk with what's worked and they changed the way things were being done on America's Most Wanted and it just didn't work and ratings began to drop because it wasn't the same formula that has worked for all those years. Now, this is a show that has tracked down and found almost 1,200 fugitives from the law and gotten them taken off the streets to make the streets safer. John Walsh and his son Callahan are now hosting the show and they went back to the original format. And that original format aired this week for the first time in over a decade. And John Walsh and Callahan are doing a fantastic job. They went right back to what worked before and what worked before was what worked. And I can tell you that by the time April runs around, we're going to watch the fact that America's Most Wanted is going to be responsible for their 1,200th capture and arrest. And they featured um, a horrible, horrible, special place in hell couple that are abusing children as fast as they can. And they had their children taken away from them. And they were only allowed supervised visits until their trial. And the city worker that was sent there to oversee their visit for an hour, they tasered this woman in the neck and then tied her to a tree and taped her mouth shut and ran off with a purse and left her in this wooded area. And then they took off and they were caught on camera crossing over the border into Mexico with these two kids they just stole. So I don't know what to say about about that, but I do believe, I do believe that America's Most Wanted will be responsible for getting people like that brought to justice. So if you don't have your DVR set up for recording America's Most Wanted, this show gets 300 million sets of eyes all over the world looking for people that are breaking the law and harming the rest of us that are following the rules. So, yeah, I, w I want these people to be caught and thrown in jail where they belong. And as they walk into jail and breathe their last breath of fresh air... Yeah, yeah, just spit at them and throw them in a box and leave it that way. Um, I was so angry 
watching this thing, I, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm keeping my eyes open. But these people have already gone into Mexico. Fortunately, the show airs in Mexico, and they have Spanish-speaking people, obviously, on the phones. And you can remain anonymous. There is a $250,000 reward for getting these two scumbags off the street. And I'll be real happy to see that happen. The other thing I want to talk about is the fact that Trump, the fungus that never ends, the irritation that won't go away, the man who enjoys just egging people into a fight, he loves to sit there and watch other people fight because he's a coward and doesn't like to watch anybody. He doesn't want to do any of the fighting himself, but he'll sit there and cause a fight between two other people, and he just gets off on it. He just likes watching people fight with each other and people getting angry at each other and people, and he's got so much hate in his heart that this man wants to become president again and he just won an Iowa. I don't, non- I don't understand how people are voting for this guy when he orchestrated, allegedly, the attack on our capital to overturn an election in which he lost by millions. And then he wanted to have his vice president hanged. Yep, that's the right word. It's not hung. Hanged, because pictures are hung and people are hanged. And he wanted to have his vice president hanged for not overturning the election. If it could overturn the election, don't you think Al Gore would have done it in 2000 with that whole thing with George Bush? That's not how it works. I mean, to sit there and say he, he, he should not, you know, authenticate the election, he should refuse to do that. It doesn't. You're a loser, Trump. You lost the popular vote in 16. You lost it again in 20. And I hope that you are in jail by the time this election rolls around in November this year because he is someone who is trying to create a civil war in America and he just wants to sit there in the Oval Office and have his fat ass sit in that chair and watch it happen out the window of the White House from the West Wing. And I just think that that Donald Trump is an absolute scumbag. Just what I see. I don't want to end the show on that note because this is season six, episode four. Four. Out of the way. Four. By the way, yeah, Trump complained about Obama playing golf from time to time when he took some personal time just to clear his head. And Trump said, I'm not going to be playing golf if I become president. Well, I got news for you. Donald Trump played more golf than any other president in the history of America while he was president. Nobody played more golf than Donald Trump. And I think in part, he played so much golf because he didn't know how to do the job. So he just kept, you know, taking off time and playing golf. And as I understand it from his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen says he regularly cheats at golf to at least make it close or to win. And all these yes men that play golf with him sit there and good job, sir, good job. I don't know why people are so afraid of this guy. But frankly, I think his run for president should be long over.
I think Trump should be gone. Boom. See you later, alligator. Well, Mr. Orange, <laughs> the orangutan president, number 46, 45, 46 is Biden, 45, I'm really hoping he loses in New Hampshire. And I'm not saying I'm a big Nikki uh, Haley fan, but I'm pretty much a fan of anybody who's not Trump. And I'm a little angry at Joe Biden because Joe Biden promised he'd be a one-term president. He would do this and be done. We can't have somebody in the White House who's 83 or 84 years old and losing their mind and then have Kamala Harris step in because she is an absolute mess. And I just would hate to see her as a president. I just just don't want to see that. I just can't see that. Okay. Huh. One last thing I want to talk about, and that is... I want to talk about Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis. He is the employer lawyer. There's a lot of businesses that are doing pretty well and recovering and they have gotten through COVID and they have survived. And now people have gotten used to being home and being lazy and they're deciding to band together, hire an attorney for a class action suit and then go after their boss to see if they can grab some money from the boss, money that the boss earned in a business the boss built. And these people are trying to turn around and figure out a way to get a settlement, a quick cash grab, so that they can kind of sit around and do nothing for a while more. Paul Sorrentino will take on your mom and pop business, your company, your corporation, and he represents some of the biggest corporations in the world. And they hire him because he makes sure that their business, their investment is protected. And so do small businesses. So do small companies. People that just have like a warehouse and they're trying to survive. And all of a sudden they're under attack because they've got five employees that decided to hire an attorney. And some sleazy attorney is going to try to take some of that money that these people have managed to scrape together. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the employer lawyer. He is the guy that protects those that do the employing. That's right. And you can contact Paul Sorrentino at Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900. If you have a business that is in trouble or under attack, yeah, you hire Paul Sorrentino and Paul Sorrentino will take care of it. You just you just go back to work. You just take care of your business and Paul will take care of your business. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900. And you tell him, tell him you heard about it on JV to the pros. Say, yeah, Jack Vecchio was talking about it. You know, I know I've watched Paul Sorrentino in the courtroom and this guy is absolutely brilliant in the courtroom. He knows what he's doing. So, you contact Paul Sorrentino if your business is under any sort of attack. Well, that is Season 6, Episode 4 of JV to the Pros. I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for listening in week in and week out at, as JV to the Pros puts out a good product every single episode. I want to thank... Producer Karen, the Queen of Queens, New York, 
for doing a great job in post-production. She gets it on the Instagram. By the way, our Instagram is jvdidapros, all spelled out. Our email, jvdidapros at gmail.com. Um, you can go on our Facebook page, all spelled out, JV to the pros, and there will be all the visuals of everything that's on the show. And you can click the link and just listen to the show right there. I hear from people all over the country, Canada, Mexico. I hear from people. There are people in Europe that listen to the show. There are, <laughs> it was funny. In, in, in August, I got on, on a flight. And somebody was listening to JV to the pros. I mean, they didn't really realize it was me getting on the plane, but they were listening to the show, to the show while they were while they were sitting in their seat before the plane had completely loaded. And I thought, what a compliment! And I was so tempted to say, "Hey, that's me," but you know what? I let them just enjoy the show. It makes me feel good that people appreciate it. Well, that is season six, episode four of JV to the pros. I'm Jack Vecchio. And until we connect again, you take care.